this is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to Ava Durga of Circle of Q. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up-to-date. The new site also has links to our Marketplace and Affiliate Program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Actually, our property of the week this week is a reminder that we always have some private listings available in addition to what you see on our website and in our newsletters. Right now, we have a campsite, dating sites, and pay sites available. We also have other types of sites as well. In these cases, the owner of the site is usually expressing the utmost care to make sure that the identity of their site or company doesn't get out for a variety of reasons. These are also generally larger listings with big revenues. If you're interested in finding out more about our private listings, please complete our buyer's NDA on our website and contact us to see if you qualify. Next Monday on the Hanky Panky Podcast, Coral and Jewel will interview Tony Bones, adult male performer, producer, and personality. You can find the Hanky Panky Podcast, of course, at hankypankypodcast.com and wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Ava Durga of Circle of Q. Ava, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Now, Ava first discovered the fun of feminizing males in 2001 and began helping cross-dressers, sissies, and bi-curious males achieve their potential at the Sissy Parlor in South Florida in 2017. She's also the co-founder of Circle of Q. Her work is focused on helping cross-dressers accept their feminine side, which often includes the desire for receptive sexuality, is a key part of their psyche that should be embraced. Circle of Q is a private online social community and dating site for cross-dressers, sissies, bi-curious men, and admirers. It was founded by Ava and her friend Rebecca Lynn, a.k.a. Sissy Becca, to provide a safer, more personal alternative to typical sissy hookup sites. Easy for me to say. Now, mm-hmm. unlike many other sites, Circle of Q doesn't inflate its membership with fake profiles or allow bots and scammers. The site is growing organically with real people. To learn more, visit circleofq.com. 
Now, Ava, how did you get started working with crossdressers and sissies? Mm. Well, back in 2001, um, I'd been a corporate person, but I took a little adventure break from uh, corporate life, and I became the office manager <clears throat> for a large professional dungeon called the Dominant Divas in Fort Lauderdale, which was a couple of blocks from the courthouse, which was really a lot of fun. Yeah. So one one of my jobs as the office manager was to do intake on clients. And I managed the hired and managed the houseboys and hired and managed the mistresses. And I also did intake and client relations and that sort of thing. So um, one of my jobs was to make them comfortable when they came in, show them around and uh, match them up with the mistress. Relatively early on, um, there was one gentleman who came in. Um, I still remember him very, and, tall, lanky, blonde guy, maybe 50-ish. Mm -hmm. And he came in rather quiet. I'm showing him around. I'm taking him upstairs. Here's the bondage room. Here's suspension room. Here's the kitchen. Here's the jury box. Here's the, you know, the 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 wheel and the impact playroom, all these things. Mm -hmm. He's following me like an obedient little puppy, just watching, <laughs> being very quiet, like they all did. I got to what we call the sissy parlor, mm -hmm. which I named my place after. And it was behind these two big French doors and I threw them open. And every time I tell this story, I can hear angels singing in mm -hmm. the background. Because he, so I threw the, and you have to imagine the sissy parlor was probably the largest room in the dungeon. Mm -hmm. It was full, man-sized clothes, shoes, wigs, makeup, lingerie, fluffy things on the wall. It was Sissy Nirvana. <laughs> and this guy, you know, he stood there and he just, he almost went catatonic. I just saw him standing there stock still. And then I looked and I noticed his eyes were welling up like he was mm. going to cry. And I said, so what do you think or what's going on? I wasn't sure what to make of this reaction. And he opened, we sat and he opened up to me. And he told me a story that in the subsequent 20-something years, I've heard over and over again. Yeah. Married, responsible professional, built the career, had the kids, had the wife, loved his kids, went to Sunday school, all these things that he had discovered mm. early on in his life that right. he got a really good feeling from wearing panties or putting on women's clothes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think he might have introduced this to his wife, who promptly shot it down. Hmm. And so he was doing what so many men did and do: is he was a covert crossdresser, closet. Sure. So he had a few he had a few pairs of panties stashed in a gym bag, and when he would have an opportunity, he would he would wear them. Maybe he'd go off to a hotel and have his own. Well, when he came, I think he was from the Midwest somewhere. Hmm. When he came to Fort Lauderdale for a medical conference, he looked <laughs> up and he saw there was this dungeon. So he just thought he would treat himself. And that's so he he let he goes are, are there that many like me, are there that many more like me? And I said yes. Hmm. You have to understand there's a lot. So, and the story again he he gotten married he built the career he put all these desires on hold except when he could sneak it out felt very guilty about it but it was still very you know something that he couldn't put away. Right. A lot of them don't buy clothes. It's the purge cycle. Ask any crossdresser. Most of them have thrown away thousands of dollars of clothes, if not more, because they'll mm. get disgusted with themselves and think it's bad and shameful and throw it away as long as they can buy again. So, over, so he told he told me the story. He really didn't understand there were that many like him, mm. and there was such a sense of relief that he wasn't. And over the years, I heard the same story. These are tip, the crossdressers that I work with are typically they aren't, they aren't trans women 
per se. They don't want to transition. They don't want to be women all the time. They're not gay. Mm-hmm. They just like going into this alternate space, mm. and so, which is actually relatively harmless if you think about all the things sure. that they could be doing. Right. And at all the in all the stories I heard. And have still heard about, you know, marriages being broken up, um, issues that just because he likes to do this recreational, it makes him feel good that suddenly he's a pariah, his, you know, there are family issues. It's really a big drama just because of this gender play. Um, And so he kept it closeted. And when you're so, so many cross-dressers. They're closeted. They don't really have anybody to interact with. And it's not necessarily just for play, sexual play, although some of them certainly want that. Some of them might be just perfectly happy dressing at home, but they want somebody else to to know or to show somebody or to talk to somebody else who's going through the things that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where a circle of – well, first – when I after I started the sissy parlor, which I guess I'll get back to in a minute, mm-hmm. um, I started the the Bluebells meetup group in South Florida because there was no real um, social community mm-hmm. for crossdressers where they could get together and meet. So we started that, mm-hmm. and within a year, I think we went from zero to five hundred members wow. in almost no time flat and free thing. And then, um, but that really was enough. And so then eventually um, my friend Sissy Beck and I started Circle of Q, which is an, a way to on, for them to meet online and sure. socialize. Um, I'll, I'll re, rewind a little bit to the Sissy Parlor because I think I left out a big chunk oh, of that. Sure. So, okay. So after I went out of, um, I, I stayed with the dungeon for, it was under a year mm-hmm. and went back to corporate consulting and doing my thing, but I still kept my toes in the water of the kink community. Okay. And so, you know, I'd go. And so in 2017, I was at Beyond Leather, which is a kink conference in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. very, very good educational conference. And I was sitting next to a woman who at that time was an acquaintance. Her name was Lady Katara. She was the headmistress of Club Femme down here. And um, had for many years been a pro dom specializing in sissies and cross dressers. Mm-hmm. So we sat next to each other at a cocktail party and started talking in general about cross dressing and sissies and sissification and feminization and um, what the, t- I'm going to make very broad strokes here, what the typical dungeon or the typical kink scene mm-hmm. did not offer, fell short. For many of them and part of that was a sense of belonging and acceptance Mm. not so much the humiliation right and a feeling of community and so she says i think you you have that vibe because i'm not a i'm not a overbearing dominant leather mistress i don't Mm. you know um that's not my style it is a style that many like but Mm -hmm. it's not my style i'm more encouraging and developmental and at that time i said i don't think i can be a can i be a pro dom i'm rather affirming actually, right? I really don't enjoy tearing people down. I rather enjoy putting them, you know, building them back up. Sure. And she goes, that's exactly and she goes, that's exactly the issue. Hmm. Exactly the issue. Hmm. So she said, I think you should go into practice and I'll help you wow. from a, be a, your mentor. So on um it was sort of a I rented a one bedroom apartment. She gave me some clothes, other people donated things, and before you knew it, I had my own sissy parlor, cool. which operated until oh, it was great. It was great. Um met the you know, met the most wonderful people, the most wonderful clients, and then through the bluebells and finally circle of Q, just some wonderful people. So that's how that came about. And then um Sissy Becca and I started talking because I had started something 
already sort of a smaller community where people would know each other because mm-hmm. it came about, they would say, do you know any other, cro- I'm, I'm flying to London, Miss Ava, mm-hmm. for business. I'd really like to have dinner with somebody there. Do you know any cross-dressers in London? Miss mm-hmm. Ava, I'm going, to, I'm going to Denver. Do you know any cross-dressers, any friends in Denver who might want to hang out? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, there needs to be something like that. And yeah. so I started doing it sort of a small way of my own. It was going to be called Friends of Ava and everybody had verification and I knew everybody and did, did uh, interviews and such. And then Becca said, you know, we got to make this bigger. There's an opportunity for some, to reach a whole lot more people through a social mm-hmm. community and dating site. And she had being a sissy. Of course, I had my perspective as a mistress and talking to my clients. But Becca had the perspective as a longtime sissy. It was very typical and what was missing and what was missing out there in terms of connecting and communicating. And that's how Circle of Q then came about, was um, trying to create a community where they could meet, they could get support, they could find playmates if they wanted, they could find buddies if they wanted, they could lurk and get information if they wanted, but they weren't going to feel alone and they weren't going to feel um, like like corporate prey mm. either. Yeah. Um, I might be being a little bit harsh, but sissies are are ripe for the plucking. Mm. They're a, they're a it's a it's a large group. It's a group that's often marginalized. They don't often fit into the trans umbrella, which is sure. often protected. There's a lot of trans out there, trans resources out there. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't have this community of their own and this way of interacting with people that was safe, mm-hmm. and they could get used to. So that's how Circle of Q came about. That's awesome. And um, yeah. I'm I'm really proud of what we put together there, and are starting to put together anyway. So, what do you exactly do now with Circle of Q? Are you a mistress? I am not. Well, I so I still it, during COVID, um, COVID forced me to shut my actual apartment, the, the parlor. Mm. So I see I I no longer advertise or take new clients for live sessions. I still have a fairly um, solid small group of regular clients who I have ongoing professional relationships with. And I work on night flirt and through my own on web and and phone. Mm. Um, So, so in that regard, I'm still a mistress in circle of Q. My role is a facilitator, the matriarch, I guess. (laughs) And so if, if I I love, yeah, I, 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 there was a time I wouldn't have liked that term right now. I kind of like that term. Yes. I'm boss lady of circle of Q, but I'm really not. The members are, um, Mm. And we've got some real personalities there. Fantastic. Now, Mm -hmm. I hear a lot about cross-dressers, sissies, and trans women. What's the Mm -hmm. difference? So the difference between, I'll try to make this simple, behavior and identity. So if someone is transgender, identifies as a trans woman, keep it simple, transgender, that generally means that the sex they were assigned at birth is different from how they identify now. So if they were born with a penis and they were called a boy and they were assigned male, but, uh, but they start recognizing that internally they really identify as female, then that would be transgender. They are crossing their gender in a more permanent way. That's part of their identity and who they are. Mm -hmm. They don't really feel complete without that, you know, that, that being a main part of their life. That's who they are. Okay. With a recreational cross-dresser, cross-dresser, it's more, I don't want to dismiss it because it is an identity in a way. It's something that seems to be part of them. It's not something they can just walk away from for years at a time and come back to without thinking Mm. about it. But it does sort of, it does ebb and flow with many of them. Um, But it's a recreation. It's a place they go. When they put on 
panties and I can you can hear cross-dressers out there nodding because it's almost universal I say how does it feel when you dress there is something that comes over them you can almost see a change in their demeanor and their Mm -hmm. personality but if you ask a cross-dresser to describe what does it feel like when you dress they have a hard time describing it but they'll tell you they have a hard time describing but it is powerful Hmm. since I'm a cis woman I haven't described I haven't felt I can I can maybe relate to it in some degree because you know when when I go into a fetish party and I've got my you know I dress the part there is something that comes over you I can't really say it, but you're in your power there's a psychological term called enclosed cognition okay. which is it, it there are measurable changes in in people's behavior perception just based on what they have on mm-hmm. and even without somebody else there reflecting back to them so I think I think part of it that might explain part of it. I don't know one of my big my one of my big dreams in life is to find a neurologist and get an EEG machine oh, yeah. and line up a bunch of cross dressers and and measure their brains before and after they dress and if there's any neurologists listening to this who want to volunteer to do this experiment with me. Um I'm looking for somebody who's qualified. I just think that would be fun is just a very toe in the water kind of look into what happens in the cross dresser. Yeah, that would dress. be that would be really interesting, right? wouldn't it? And this is the first time I verbalized that to anybody mm. outside my small circle, but that's sort of I'm my easy. grand. I'm easy to talk yeah, I to. know. I'm the mistress, Dr. Frankenstein, right? Of cross-dressers. <laughs> I want to do all kinds of experiments on them when they have panties on and see what happens. Um, um, but they, but, oh, I, we were talking about how they feel, I think, when they're dressed. Um, I don't think that's something that they can ever really completely put away. And as they, and that's where I'll segue into is, as they, the reason I see so many older cross-dressers, I think, by the time they get to me, they're, they're a lot of them in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. I think the younger ones, there are more women accepting of it, and their society in general is more accepting of gender crossing of all sorts. Sure. Whereas men, they get in their 40s, 50s. I think part of it is cultural because they grew up with so much shame around it. Mm. But I think a lot of it is because They've spent their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s doing everything everybody else tells them to do. Right. Get married, build a career, buy a house, have some kids, make a bunch of money, do all these things that you're supposed to do. And if you want to wear panties to relax on the side instead of playing golf, well, maybe you can sneak away and be ashamed of it. But a lot of times they just kind of put it aside or they put it aside to a degree they don't want to. Then the kids grow and you start hitting a certain age. Mm -hmm. And you look at the back nine and say, oh, if not now, when? Yeah. I've done this for everybody else. And what is the harm in me wanting to wear panties? What is the harm in seeing what I look like in full makeup? Mm-hmm. What is the harm in seeing how I feel when I put on heels and I, I practice walking with my pelvis rotating across the room? all these experimental things. And a lot of them increasingly make the decision. They ask they're going to experiment with it and they're going to be um, more fully into it. And the fact that they are able to have that sort of support network now through technology that they were never able to get from family or spouses or, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dismissing spouse. I'm not saying dump your spouse and go be across, you know, it's, it's not that sort of thing, but it is, yeah. uh, a huge factor for sure. many of them people sure. married to somebody right um, and so but i think there are an increasing number of outlets for them and i think it's good for their mental health i really think a cross-dresser who is denied loses a very important part 
of their, in some cases of their sexuality and some of their ability to relax, Mm -hmm. to go into a different world. I mean, what's wrong? We tear all kinds of, in the corporate world, psychological world, play. Why is play so important? It's very important. But all the articles talk about play as being maybe vanilla sex or golfing or sailing or doing something like that. Mm -hmm. They don't think of the fact that that going into an altered state, a parallel reality or an altered state of consciousness during that few hours that they put panties on might be a very beneficial thing psychologically. Sure. What's the difference between that and playing paintball, right? (laughs) <laughs> I don't see any. I honestly don't see any. Right? Exactly. And, this is, and it's an outlet for the, and there's a whole lot of reasons that men cross-dress. Sure. There's sure. obviously it's, it, it's, it's a sexual turn on for many of them for, for various reasons. Some of them, they find they might start with it sexually, but then just find they just like to relax. Women's panties and nighties are way more comfortable than boxer shorts, t-shirts mm-hmm. by a, by a mile. Um, for many, it lets them exhibit a creative side mm-hmm. of their personality mm-hmm. or a flirty side or playful side that's suppressed in their daily life. Okay. If you think, Bruce, about what's in your closet, and I'm only guessing because I might be surprised at what's in your closet. No, I'm never surprised. No, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be too surprised, probably. <laughs> but think about a typical man's wardrobe or walking mm-hmm. through the man's section in a store. Mm-hmm. You've got a very limited number of colors, textures, fabrics, and styles that you can choose from. You basically have a man uniform. You have a few uniforms to pick from. (laughs) Right? Women's space. You go on, and you can go on Amazon now. You can dress to the nines like a slut. You can have an evening gown. You can be pink or blue or purple or red. All these things. And believe me, they love it. Oh, yeah. Love it. Um, and so there, are, I guess, when I think of cross-dressers, it's a different part of their personality and it's focused and it's time limited and it's space limited, but it's still part of them. So if you, and it's not something hidden, it's just part that they trot out at the right time. So right. you can draw a parallel with any person, the, the guy who is exhibiting road rage in traffic. And the same guy on his floor playing with his kid and the same guy giving a presentation at work, they are going to be completely separate personas, completely separate reactions, completely inappropriate to bleed over into each other. But they're all part of that person. Yeah. They're just brought out at certain times. So cross-dressing has a level of shame to it, but I still think it's not that much different from... Imagine a little, I'm not, this is going to be sexist. Imagine a little girl in her Barbie kitchen. Mm-hmm. She's five years old. She's totally immersed in being housewife or cooking the gourmet meal or whatever in Barbie kitchen. Right. She's totally there. Cross-dresser goes in that same kind of mind space. Hmm. Not like a little girl in the kitchen, but in the, the we were talking about the concept of play. Right. They, they consistently say once they've had this play time, that's released the pressure valve is off. Right. They go back to man mode and they're happy. Yeah. Until next. Sure. sure. That's the difference between trans drag queens are where f- exaggerated female clothing for performance. Right. And it may not be exaggerated, but it's for performance art. Right. Um, 
So that would be the main. That would I've be the seen them here. I've seen the shows in Thailand, and they're, they're oh my god, they are pretty you, spectacular. But oh when, my god, when they had live when, oh. when they had live shows here, we went to one with uh, with a couple who were out here on their honeymoon from our industry, actually. And uh, oh, what a show! What a show! Um, so, do cross dressers have different challenges from trans women? Yes, they do. Um, First is because because transgender issues have come to the forefront. There are a lot of transgender sites and there are a lot of I'm talking about serious nuts, not about quote unquote tranny porn, which is fetishized, but I'm talking mm. about trans sites. So when they go and they want to socialize, they often land as a poor, poor stepchildren on trans sites. They're not really transgender. They don't want to be a woman. They don't want to find a man for a long-term relationship necessarily. They, you know, they they just want to have but, buddies, girlfriends, right, mm -hmm. to talk to and cross-dress with. And so on the trans sites, they're often feel it kind of marginalized because they're not transgendered and they're not dealing with the issues that transgender sites usually deal with mm. gender politics, identity, you know, these sorts of deeper rooted issues about changing your gender aren't really applicable to them. Some mm -hmm. of them are makeup and so forth. So that's one, um, you know, the, the, the challenge they have, um, another one is, you know, how much of this, I call it a, a a safe container where they can go into play space. Sometimes they have problems compartmentalizing, you know, how much can this bleed over into my real life? Because mm -hmm. there, there, it, there's a lot of gray area. Sure. Um, but those are the two main ones. I think those are the two main ones. Um, trans women have a little bit harder in some ways because it's harder for them to hide it because they are, they do want to come out and be themselves mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Them. Um, the cross-dresser, they have to worry about keeping it hidden and when they're, who to tell, when to come out, whether to let it out. But they can, the cross-dressers can keep it hidden right. pretty heavily closeted for a longer time and with more sanity, I think, mm -hmm. than a truly trans person who's denying their entire identity by, by trying to, by having to step into another role. Um, for my, it's recreation. Right. right. It's like. So do guys who cross-dress identify as gay, straight, bi, or all of the three? Mm, depends on how you ask them. I've not known any who identify as gay. I'm not saying there aren't gay cross-dressers, but I think their numbers are pretty limited, except as drag queens. Maybe panties. Well, here's why. Gay men are attracted to male energy, right. not female energy. Okay. So if, if someone's presenting with female energy, they're not going to be as turned on. The majority of cross-dressers I've worked with and still work with are identify as exclusively straight or bisexual or situationally bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are married, but this is a place it's for many of them. The um, they are interested in cock when they're dressed. Not all of them are. Some of them just, some of them is like, no, I'm a lesbian. in a man's body have no interest in cock, or they might have a fantasy about being seductive. It's more about the fantasy of being seductive and sexy and desired. Mm. And a lot of them stop at the fantasy. Um, but some of them do go on to that. And they, and um, if they, it's almost like the cock or the man is a very elaborate prop in the fantasy, the mm -hmm. real cock. Um, they're attracted to it 
why I could go wax philosophical so why cross-dressers and admirers want to find each other um, and why why men prefer to find cross-dressers to play with than a real woman. And I think, well, I'll just touch on that now, actually, I think, because mm-hmm. I'm going to say some very sexist things here, but only because I'm speaking from the cross-dressers exaggerated perspective, okay? Okay. Um, okay. I mean, you have to be very, very careful. I'm talking, they're my, my, my girls. Um, <laughs> they they want to be they cross they, they love being sexual when they're cross-dressed they love the feeling of being feminine mm-hmm. they are curious about what it's like to have sex as a woman which makes them better lovers in my opinion hmm. they want to know what it what it's like to be um the receptive one and oh why oh why men like cross-dressers better than having an affair with a real woman because Cross-dressers are trouble-free. If Let's say there's a guy. I'm talking for the admirers now. Let's say there's a guy. And on your show, I know I can speak very bluntly, right? right. He he wants novelty. He wants blowjobs. He wants fun. He wants something like that. Maybe he's been married for a very long time, and novelty is just an, it, many people do seek out novelty, right? Yeah. He's attracted to women, mostly attracted to women. Right. But women... To try to find a woman as a friend with benefits when you're married with no complications and no emotional demands and nothing of the sort without paying is really, really hard, right? Sure. You never know. And most of these guys, they, again, they have relationships that they don't want to sacrifice for just, you know, a Saturday afternoon getting a blowjob. Mm-hmm. Well, a cross-dresser or a sissy, they, they're driven to please. They're given... if assuming it's the sissy that, that wants a man, and a lot of them fantasize about it, as I said, they, they just want to please. Mm-hmm. They want to be you or they want to, they want to feel desired. Maybe they want to feel used and roughed up. Maybe they want to feel a lot of different things, but they can get it without having drama mm-hmm. from a sissy. And the sissy can get it from a top without any drama either. Mm-hmm. Not that a man's going to go interrupt your marriage. Oddly, the top is, the top is a lot more, um, at risk, if he wants to step, if he wants to step out and play a little bit, he's at a lot lower risk with a crossdresser mm-hmm. than a woman. Yeah. There's no emotional entanglement beyond often a very deep friendship. These relationships can last for a very long time. Hmm. These playmate relationships, you find a steady person that you like to play with now and then. So some people go out golfing. Some people go down to the Ace Hardware and hang out. And some people get together and wear panties and suck cock. There and you go. Right. And, that, and it's, 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 it's easy. It's free. It's clean. And, and, you know, if I was on, I can't say, cause I have a different perspective, but if I was on the woman's perspective, mm-hmm. if my man was going to cheat, it's far less risky to have him cheating with a crossdresser than with a real woman. Yeah. Just less risky on all kinds of, well, not, maybe not, you know, we'll talk about, you know, STIs and things <laughs> like that, but from an emotional standpoint, right. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have it. And, yeah, and that's all they want. And yeah. so they go and they go deep and, and even the ones who don't want to have cock in real life for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. um, they still have involving a strap on or right. involving toys or toys they may play with at home mm-hmm. to experience life as a sex, sexuality as a woman. Sure. And sure. to feel and to feel desired. Right. Because right. usually men have to men have to be the one who are the ones who are chasing mm-hmm. and beaten. So it. yeah. It's a big turn on for them. Okay. So is, mm-hmm. is cross-dressing sexual and how does cross-dressing play into a person's sexuality? 
Mm-hmm. Cross-dressing, for the majority that I work with, it's sexualized to some degree, but not exclusively. So it often starts out as a sexual charge. Some of them start watching sissy porn, it's a turn on. Some of them have already been cross-dressing, and it's a turn on. Um, over time, it often morphs into, that's still part of their sexuality in a way they like to play, but they then just like it. They just like the feeling of the clothing. They like being able to slip into the softer alternate reality. And there are a certain number of trans women who begin their journey as cross-dressing, which you can, and and cross-dressing is not a gateway drug any more than milk is a gateway drug for heroin, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. It's just where, it's just where it's, happens to start with everyone mm-hmm. and some people it catches on to and some I, I think almost every little boy has tried in his mommy's panties or girdles or clothes not that Majority i recall not that i recall but i'll take your word okay. for it <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of the, even when they're two or three right a little okay maybe you don't recall but maybe and maybe you never did who knows but a lot know. of little just they're curious right they're pre-sexual sure. they're little sure. curious little boys oh mommy's wearing a girdle well for some of them it sticks for, right. and i'm not a psychologist so i can't tell you why it sticks um but it's with them for the rest of their lives mm. and um and maybe it is um, so yeah, so for some it is very sexual, hmm. and I would say for the majority I work with, it does have a sexual component. Okay, um, the degrees change. Yeah. So how do female partners generally react to finding out that their man cross dresses? Mm. That runs the spectrum. Hmm. Um, it runs the spectrum. There are, an, there are a surprising number of women, especially younger women, but I think even older ones, if they're already connected with a guy yeah they're going to be okay they're going to get it it might they might reel a little bit um but they it's i actually wrote a blog post about it called nine reasons to covet a cross-dressing partner because i was so you know their women often they freak out and understandably Mm -hmm. if they're a straight woman and they're with a guy and they're attracted to a male and suddenly the male says he likes to dress as a woman and flit around the living room, right? And and gets turned on by this. It, it call she ends up being calling into question her own sexuality. It's it's a yeah. blow, yeah. right? It's like okay, well, what do I do? Am I not woman enough? Or um, is he gay? Does he really like me? Is he still the man that I love? Mm-hmm. And it makes them also question if they don't run away from it and stand to confront it a little. What are the purposes of a relationship? Why do I love this person? What's important to me in this relationship? Who am I as a sexual being? Who am I? How do I identify gender? And I'm not saying that these women all should stay with a mm-hmm. crossdresser. This, if she's going to shame them or really have an issue with it, um, what I'm saying is that there is often a knee-jerk reaction that is put into us by society. A woman dressing as a man or wearing a strap on is perfectly fine. Hmm. Your big football player husband who loves to wear satin and garters, not in addition to probably looking really fine in them, um, <laughs> you know, you, 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 it, it kind of shakes your, your world. But I think once they stop and think about these, if, if they do address it, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a stronger relationship. But to answer your question in a more succinct way, in my experience, the majority that I've met or heard of through my clients, they find out they don't really want to participate enthusiastically or at all, but they'll accept it. Yeah. But they don't want to see it because it changes their vision of their partner. Sure. And if they're not 
And so um, that seems to be more common. Okay. I'm just, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> so mm. what are your favorite things about the work you do? Oh my God. I like, I feel like I'm liberating them. Mm-hmm. Again, even going back to that first story, there's, there's so much shame. These are for the most part, really great guys. Mm-hmm. They're partners, they're good business people or employees, they're good parent, or at least they impressed me as that, very mm-hmm. responsible. Right. Um, but they're they're alone in this one way, yeah. this one corner of their life. And so, and there's a lot of pain that goes along with that. When I'm able to come along, show them that they're beautiful, even if they're, they think that they're not, show them that this part of them is acceptable, that not only me, but a lot of other people out there can appreciate and admire that and let them exhibit it in, in a safe way. That's, I'm, I see, I'm getting teared up. That's fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. Cross-dressing is what I, I've chosen at this point in where I career to work with because I feel that strong affinity toward that, towards sure. liberating that part of them. Um, it could be, you know, but it could be other areas that are, um, well, I'm going off into my own personal thing, but, but right, that's what I really enjoy about it. And because they can be really pretty. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch them lighten up. I love my favorite part, my very favorite part when I have the parlor is to dress someone up who's never been dressed before, but maybe they've worn panties or they've dressed a little at home to bring them in. And I think every other mistress who does this will tell you the exact same thing. There's a look. So my thing would, I would be, I would dress them up and put their makeup on with, they couldn't see any mirrors in the house. And when they were finally done, I would take them in front of a full length mirror and tell them to open their eyes. I get chills even thinking about them. Mm. When they open their eyes and they see themselves, their alter ego in full femme state, Mm. their face becomes just filled with wonder after a couple of seconds. It's almost this glorious feeling. If there's anything I can feel this thing that they say about, Mm. that's fulfilling to me. And they're liberated from that moment. They know that there's part of them. Yeah. That, that, that is that is beautiful and accepted and they can indulge and um yeah so that's my favorite part liberating them and making them happier people nice now now how is circle of q different from other cross-dresser and sissy sites there's a lot of cross-dresser and sissy sites um Mm -hmm. well i think one of the defining characteristics is that we were developed as a it is a dating site but it's a community and it was developed by two people who were really involved in it um, that's one reason. So Beck and I are involved. I look mm-hmm. at all the, the profiles. We, we, we have online events and do things. We're trying to make a community of real people. Um, another thing is that we don't use fake profiles. So one thing that Becca was, it explains something for Becca. I was shocked to me when we start the first iteration of circle of Q, we started with a different platform. It was a pre-made dating platform. And, um, um, I was going to start saying something bad about the dating platform and I forgot, uh, I forgot what it was. Probably for um, the best. We, it, no, it was probably for the, no, I wasn't going to say that, but we, um, my, my thoughts diverged off. It was, um, <laughs> what was the original question? It was, it was, we had to rebuild the site because the paywall didn't work. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. When we, oh, that's right. When we started building it, we did this and, and, and they, with the package of this platform, you can, this dating platform, this wonderful dating platform. Mm. We've discovered that you can buy fake profiles oh. by the thousands yep. 
and just load them into the site. So oh, it sure. looks like you're full. Uh-huh. And because I was looking at all these other sites, and Beck's like, where are all these fucking gorgeous cross-dresser models? They showed they're full and nobody ever answers me back or I only get, I yep. get fembots or I get prodoms or I get all kinds uh-huh. of crap. What, you know, and, and where is my email address going? And suddenly my profile is showing up on this other network because of whatever. And, and, and yep. it, it becomes right. And so that, and Becca, that explains it. So I said, so we both agreed without hesitation, we weren't going to do that. The yeah. difficulty is, is that if somebody comes to a pay site and they go, Ooh, you got 5,000 people and really, really, really fucking gorgeous cross-dressers. I'm joining you versus we have 300 people, but they're, you know, we, but they're all real. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, Fortunately, people are understanding that they're going for real. And I, I don't want to bash anybody's business model. I really don't mm. want to draw any ire that way. But that's right. our business model that we decided to grow very slowly, slowly and organically with real people and giving attention to real people rather than just trying to make it a, a sort of a, a corporate here. Let's get as many email addresses as we can. And then, you know, we can do so that there's a there's a genuine caring mm-hmm. for the cross-dresser community that we have that I don't think is exist on other sites. Right. Um, those are those are probably the two major differences and mm-hmm. you know our engagement and we have um, our participants are engaged also. We have sure. Zoom socials and fashion shows and mm. um, ways for them to get acquainted. Cool. Yeah, I think you're going to find that the vast majority of dating sites um, uh, use fake profiles. I mean that's just mm-hmm. that's just part of the course. And we questioned whether we should, because people said, everybody look, you'll does. have a quicker start. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody does it. But we decided sure. we're not everybody. Right. And if right. it's not meant, you know, Bruce, we're, Beck and I decided from the, and, it, and it's been a labor of love. It's been over a year because the first thing, I, the disaster, we had to kind of retool. And it's just Beck and me. We're not technical. We're just doing what we can do. Right. Um, is that, but we both believe really, if you're doing the right, following what our guts tell us is the right thing to do. We might make mistakes along the way, certainly everybody else. But if we come at this with the right heart, that it's going to do okay. And if it flops, it just means there's not a place in the market for it. That's all. Sure. sure. Well, I, I think that from a marketing standpoint, you need to make it very clear that your profiles are real. Yeah. And I, yeah. Think, I think you have to make that very clear. Even And mm-hmm. even if you have to say, unlike some competitors... Do it. Uh-huh. Do it. Yeah. As, a, as a marketing guy from way back, I would <laughs> I would advise you to do that, and do that. you'll Unlike you'll find you'll f- games, right? yeah, and you'll find your response yeah. will be better. So yeah. so we talk as we talk about marketing. Uh, how are you marketing the site? Um, do you have an affiliate program? We do have an affiliate program. Um, so we would love to have anybody sign up. It's twenty percent recurring, mm-hmm. so that's nice to there. Um, so we have an affiliate program. We haven't really done a really good job of marketing the affiliate program because until recently we had a, we had the doors open for a bit. Um, the, um, we do have, um, Insta- we do have t- Twitter and Instagram and BDSM all are, and we're doing some of the social media. We haven't done a lot with it, um, but getting there. Um, and it's been 
Word of mouth, a little bit on FetLife. Um, we've done some podcasts, which has brought, which is bringing some good things and helping me talk to some really interesting people like you mm, and get good you. marketing advice, for example. Um, but that's it. So again, the marketing is kind of organic. We're, we've recently put out a call because I don't have time to write a lot of blog posts, but we want good content. We really put out a call for guest contributors to contribute to our blog on cross-dressing experience sorts of articles. Awesome. Um, I know I'm forgetting something else, the, the events marketing, but that's yeah. pretty much it for the yeah. time being. That's mm -hmm. awesome. What's your vision for Circle of Q long term? Well, I'd like it to continue growing with the same feel it has now, of at least of people, a feeling of community and people supporting each other. Um, I'd like to get more into local events as well, not so much us sponsoring it. Um, we've already got the Bluebells in South Florida, which is sort of an part associated group, I guess. But I'd like, to, as we grow, I'd like to see more live events where people have local meetups, you know, in Vegas, there might be a member who sends a call out and says, hey, does anybody want to meet? In fact, we have forums for that purpose. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to have an event or say, hey, I'm meeting at such and such bar, does anybody want to show up with me? It's okay to be dressed. They can do that. So I'd like to see more of that sort of opportunity. And just to continue growing worldwide, we have members already from, God, we've got them from the UK, from Australia, from South Africa, from Bosnia, from Ireland, from Denmark, um, all over the United States. We're at about, I guess, 300 or something at this point. Nice. And by the time this airs, I don't know, we'll see how many. <laughs> um, but, but that's my vision is to continue keeping the soul that we have mm -hmm. and to being a, a, a community and support for cross-dressers, regardless of where they are in their journey or their interest. Well, Ava, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again really soon. It's been fun. I hope so, too. It's a pleasure. My broker tip today is part three of how to buy an adult website. Last week, we talked about finding the right site to buy. Once you find it, what do you do? Once you've either reached the broker of the site or the seller, Review the information about the site they send you. The broker should provide you with the following. A profit and loss statement of at least three years that's up to date. If it's June and they give you financials only through the end of the previous year, you need to see what the site is doing now, not last year. If it's a pay site, get a username and password for the site so that you can review the content. Ask how often the content is updated. Get some history on the site how long it's been in business, the story behind the site, and why the seller wants to sell. Get an inventory of the content and how much of it has current technologies like 4K. Find out if all of the content is exclusive to that site. Ask the seller if the content has ever been on VOD or DVD. See if there are any clip stores the content's on. Find out how much the content costs to produce and what the current cost of production is. Very importantly, see if this operation can run without the owner. Do they do the shooting themselves, or do they hire someone to do it? And if there's an outside producer, will that person continue to provide content for the site? Find out how many new joins and rebills there are a day. Ask them what's the retention rate of the site. And find out if they do advertising on the site and where they get their traffic. Ask for Google Analytics access so you can see where the traffic comes from. This information will give you the opportunity to truly evaluate what it is you're buying. Then, is, then if everything looks good to you and you want the site, it's time to make an offer. Only you can decide what the site is worth to you. 
If you're working with a broker such as, oh, I don't know, maybe adult site broker, of course your broker can help you determine the value of the site. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be talking to Raja of Chargeback Help. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Ava Durga of Circle of Q. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.